I decided not to do the three, two, one because it just doesn't work. I can't, I can't go three, two, one. If I go three, two, okay. one, you guys just actually have me in fits. So I just okay, went. Okay, you do. Go. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. Three, no. two, one. Whisper. That's that was a seamless beginning. Five minutes. Five minutes into the podcast, and we're still doing this. We've lost everyone. It's only we think we're funny. Only we think we're entertaining. Well, we are Everybody entertaining else is each going, other. What the actual heck? Each to their own. Each to their own. I think you two are the most hysterical people I've ever met in my life. So you know, that's fine. I am pretty hysterical sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're both pretty hysterical, and I'm not bad too. <laughs> Did Freud call it hysteria at one point that required to be treated? Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. And Lord, I remember the treatment. Moving on. Lord knows what. Uh, uh, hysterical hysterics people think we are yes it's it's not necessarily a compliment being hysterical well Damn. that is a perfect way to segue into the theme of today's podcast because nobody cares just what other people think today is about writing as therapy, therapy. Yeah. yes exactly something, something is so close weird. to my heart yeah uh, yeah so yeah, yeah. it's we had a, um, uh, it wasn't a Monday Night Live because we're not doing them anymore. It was a Sunday afternoon live um, where we were talking, Lee and I were talking about the therapeutic benefits. And, uh, you know, it really was interesting how many things that Lee, both Lee and I have done in our lives that actually have involved therapeutic ripening. Um, mm. Absolutely. I hadn't, hadn't realised till I sat down and thought about it. Mm. And it was like, Oh, right. That was therapeutic as well. And that was therapeutic. I mean, but so in what kind that, of things would you say? Well, there is a, there is an official line of therapeutic writing where you have your own actual uh, therapist, a proper, you know, bona fide, built up, properly credited therapist that goes through that with you. Um, but there are other people that use the word ther- therapeutic writing in a more looser fashion and use it in a different way. So... We're going for the looser fashion, aren't we? <laughs> Tell me about your, your your experiences and both of you in terms of, of what you think you have used writing as therapy. Uh, you know, what okay. ways have you used writing as I, therapy? I'll use it, well, I've used it um, where I worked with Scottish Women's Aid and used storytelling to access, access enable women to sort of talk about their stories without using the personal so we could use it in third person and then we used writing to sort of draw out some of the issues that were coming on so you had to be very careful not to trigger them but using writing in a way um, that enabled them to sort of write out some of the concerns anxieties things that were coming up for them and some of that would be in poetry form some of that would be actual prose um, and we did make a book out of it in the end which which was really good fantastic um, which is great. It was. It was. It was really cathartic. It was very powerful. Um, yeah. um, and then at the other end of the scale, sort of working in schools, working with children who were struggling. You know, couldn't concentrate. They were coming from very difficult backgrounds. Maybe blended families. Uh, maybe divorced. Uh, bereavement. Um, and some of them, you know, issues with conflict or bullying. So again, I'd use storytelling and writing. And, and art, actually, uh, to help deal with those. And then on the other end of the scale, how many scales can you have? <laughs> it's a triangle. The other, yes, the triangle, the <clears throat> triangle. Um, I'd worked with um, 
dementia. So I, I did reminisce. Well, I still would if I could um, do de- reminiscence work. So um, working with people who had dementia, and not necessarily using writing per se, but using getting them to kind of um, recall words from a specific time. So we do word charts and then make things up from that, or using stories to prompt and promote memories that they had. You know, I, I would take in small artifacts um, to back up the story that I'd taken, taken, you know, that I was taking in or sharing with them. And sometimes you'd have this moment of awakening, which would be really amazing. I remember one time sitting in a room with um, quite a number of elderly ladies and we were talking about shorthand. So I was demonstrating my Pittman shorthand on the, on the paper. And one of them piped up sort of saying, oh, that's shorthand. And another one piped up saying, yes, you know, that's dear sir. Um, and so they, they were just sort of talking about their their memories of being typists, shorthand typists and secretaries and things. And the care home didn't know this about them. But it, it was a point of bonding. You know, further we got into talking about it, it was a point of bonding for this particular pair. But they'd never sort of found that. And so for me, that was very therapeutic. Yeah. And I've had That's I've really had sort of similar similar sort of things actually, but uh, my first first experience was writing down my own story, uh, which was the most cathartic thing I've ever done. So writing the book um, sort of demonstrated to me that kind of therapy you can get from writing something down. Um, and then I worked with uh, children in schools, and I worked with one school similar to yourself, Lee, um, which is the kind of school that you get sent to if you've been expelled from at least three others. Yeah. Um, yeah. And these kids didn't read, they didn't write, they weren't interested, but the, the idea engaged. of actually having a book published kind of inspired them. Um, and it was just, it was beautiful to see at the book launch when they, they saw their book sitting down, they kind of came up and, and picked it up and, and looked at it and then kind of went meh and, and put it down and walked away again. And then I watched them and sort of 10 minutes later, they'd come back and they'd look one way and look the other and then pick the book up and have another look and see their name on the cover and then go away and then come back. And by the end of the the hour that we were there, they were actually, you know, with book in hand, sort of flicking through it, pointing to their, their mum or dad or grandpa or whoever was there with them and going, look, look, that's my story. And it was just, it was beautiful to see the seed of pride, you know, yeah. growing in their chest. And it was one of the most powerful projects I've ever done because it, it they were so far back from where most of the children we work from you know we're, we're usually at and so it was just really really powerful and I'll never ever forget it um and I also worked with my father who uh similar with the, the he was in 85 he was getting very very circular in his conversation and uh so we started writing his life story not to be published just as a as a uh, his own life story to have a book launch and and uh give out to all his friends and uh so we printed up 50 copies of it and it took us two years to work on it and uh, yeah, from 85 to 93, he was mentally sound. Um, and I'm fully convinced it was because he, he sat down and wrote his life story. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it reactivated his brain. Um, so yeah, and uh, after I, in 2007, I started running courses called Write, Write Me Out of a Crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that right? Write Me Out of a... Yeah, it was right me out of a crisis. Um, and, uh, you know, I was running courses helping other people who'd had had trauma um, to be able to write their trauma down, whether to publish or not, but just to actually mm-hmm. to do that. So I was sharing the experience even then. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, this, I mean, the thing about writing it down from a trauma point of view, the, the thing about writing it down is that you can go to therapy and you can speak about what's happened to you. 
and it, it goes into the ether and disappears. And you're not really sure what you've said and what you haven't. So you can quite often say the same thing over and over again yeah, in therapy. Yeah. Um, and the, 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 um, the thing about writing it down is you've got it physically in front of you. So you know you can't write the same thing again and again. You can see what you've written and add to it. So you get more and more detail out. So there's more of more of that pain and that that sort of splinter of of trauma that you're actually pulling out rather than just pulling out the same bit all the time. And it's cathartic. Mm. Um, I think when we were talking the podcast, I was saying there was um, a guy called Murray who had written a paper in 2000, it might have been 2002, saying, uh, and words to the effect that the more you write about this thing, the more the pain lessens. It sort of dilutes it. Yeah. Um, so yes, it is a very, very powerful tool, but you have to, you have to be careful. I think mm -hmm. when you're working with people with, with various traumas, because you don't want to trigger, you don't want to, yeah. um, get them in such a state that they're unable to actually function. Um, and some people can be a little bit on the edge that way. So yeah, no, that's it's true. something to bear in mind. What it's about you, Susan? Well, I mean, you don't have any writing yeah. therapy. Uh, not on purpose. <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I worked as a therapist or I was a talking therapist for yeah. a number of years um, and I recognised that because the cognitive behavioural therapy which is a fantastic tool but it does require you to examine and re-examine and re-examine which is a different type of therapy to what I did which is clinical hypnotherapy I wouldn't see a client for more than six times that's almost the rule and then by the sixth time they were done and dusted and they were off um, but in terms of, of writing the therapy, I, I did it by accident in that when I was teaching on cruise ships, which was meant to be hugely lighthearted and great fun. And it was brilliant fun, but it became you know, something of great depth as well, because what we did, we st I, I started uh, each session, every single session with the Julia Cameron technique of the morning pages. Yeah. And the morning pages being sort of, you know, writing the stream of consciousness. There's no right way, there's no wrong way. There's just dumping everything in your, your left brain, draining it out and putting it down. So people would come to see me. I mean, we were crossing the Atlantic, I remember once, and I think we had seven straight sessions every day for seven days where there was nothing but sea. There was be all to do. It was just so <laughs> I was scheduled for an hour. So three hours later, we were still there doing our stuff and getting sandwiches delivered. It was really lovely. And um, what happened was a really interesting thing. I know what you're saying about, you know, you have to be careful not to write the same thing. In fact, Julia Cameron does this thing of you realise you are often writing the same thing day after day after day after day. And that the action of writing it down, reading it back and realising that actually you have to do something about this thing that's preoccupying your thoughts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the thing. If you start, you, your brain is is wired in such a way as it's, it's, it's circular, you know, so sometimes you can spiral right down, which is uh, which explains depression. If you start overthinking, 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 you start thinking there's an elephant in the room when there's not. And before you know, there's a crowd of elephants and you can't move yeah. and you're in depression. And and your thoughts are are all over the place. But the moment you crystallise the thoughts, put them down on paper, and then they're recurrent thoughts, it actually brings that to the forefront of your awareness and think, hang on a minute, I have to do something about that. Yeah. And that's what I found fascinating. So I still, you know, uh, 18 months after that particular sort of crossing, Atlantic crossing, I still keep in touch with a few people from that class yeah. who will get very tearful about that that wonderful experience they had 
Yeah. About it's some a, kind of enlightenment that they had, yeah. some kind of realisation that they had. I think it's a very intimate thing, you know, writing. Because um, I've been on writing retreats myself. And the when I've been on retreats, I have had such a wonderful time because you're there with a body of people who are going for the same purpose. Um, mm. But you share some very intimate details about yourself that you wouldn't normally um, open up in normal company or, or work settings or something like that. But you always come away. I've always come away making lifelong friends from from doing retreats. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a fantastic thing to do. And that is a fantastic segue into how we can help. Ah! <laughs> oh, once lockdown horror is behind us and yes. it is but a mere memory, we shall be running those very retreats. Maybe we, we, should, maybe we should call them unlocked. <laughs> That's not oh. a bad, you know. That's not a bad thing. I think you know we we will have retreats where, um, there will be a mixture of exploring your creativity, but also being able to release all yeah. that emotion, all that that yeah. paint up stuff, and, and allow it to just flow onto the page. And and there will always be safe spaces. Yeah, there will yeah. always be confidential spaces where everybody's going to respect you know, everybody else's uh, privacy. And and those retreats, we're going to take ourselves off to luxury locations. Of course. Not just in Scotland, but so we're not, not too far away. <laughs> no, it's not camping. <laughs> and I think that's a great thing, isn't it? To, to be able just you and the page and a group of like-minded individuals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And a few glasses of wine just to soothe oh, the, 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 the uh, I can't wait. head at night. It'll yeah. be lovely, won't it? it my will. bags are packed. So I'm, 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 it's already by the door. Yeah. <laughs> my husband's been told. <laughs> I can't wait. It's going to be so good. It's going to be uh, so good. And how can you find us to to keep abreast of all of this stuff that we're going to be doing? Well, so we're going to web, we'll have a website which is www.thebookwhisperers.com mm-hmm. uh, or you can find us on Facebook, uh, which is the Book Whisperers uh, Connect, which is our Facebook page, or the group, which is a private group, which you have to ask to join, is just the Book Whisperers. And you can recognise us by our colourful feather logo. So there we are. There you go. Is that efficient enough for you? I like that. I like is that, that. business enough for you? <laughs> feather logo. Feather. I like that. Feather logo. Is, wasn't, there, wasn't there a song about, with a feather in her hair, she was, she wore a red, white? I can't remember. Oh. Um, <laughs> hula, oh. hula. She was a hula hula girl. Yeah, yeah. You see, it'll come to us in the middle of our readings or something. Like it will. It will. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the whisperers have an inundated us. Oh, inundated with whisperings, which you are, could hardly are get to your questions. door, could you? With no. all the letters coming through. <laughs> no, I tell you what, the postman delivered them right up my alley. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like the first one? Because yes, honestly, there's a is. lot of pain in, in this week's inbox. Oh, girls. okay. All right. All right, then. It is therapy. So, so it is. Squeeze so the, it in. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> squeeze it out. <laughs> and out. Yes. <laughs> Boris writes, <laughs> um, dear ladies. Oh, I like that we call us ladies. Dear ladies, I am meant to be in isolation. But I have just got a new baby and a partner who's turned a bit gobby. Also, all of my best friends seem to be packing their boxes and leaving for good. (laughs) Therefore, I'm quite lonely. 
Oh. How should I use writing as therapy to get me through these next very difficult few days? Boris, journaling. Buy yourself a lovely notebook and pen. And Absolutely. I, I was going to say, you could always write a really, really long resignation letter. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, there's one option. <laughs> yes. Um... <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, yeah, journaling, I think, you know, sort of like, or, or think about, you know, you could always write a, a political expose. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Um, you know, so that, you know, take your expertise and use it to. I think what uh, Mary's saying, Boris, is that you should expose yourself. <laughs> yes. Well, what Don't I say, say anything about yourself. the wife or the girlfriend, because if she's got the she numerous might children. Maybe, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oops. But yeah, so uh, yeah, I think if people are people are locked down and they are you know isolating or whatever, I mean it's perfect time, isn't it? You know, there's various things you can do, but you know, actually that that book that's that's been sitting inside you burning away, if you if you're unable to do that, then you know certainly just writing writing out all the issues and traumas and things you have bubbling around your head is one great way of actually. Just getting rid of them all finally, and and sorting out your head, and it's like have it's either that to the attic, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. like... <laughs> have yourself a good clear out, yeah, mentally mm. as well yeah. as physically. Yeah, uh, put your house in order. That reminds me. I'm not sure if I've got my brand plaques this morning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was really uncalled for, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, but I liked it. <laughs> So there you are, Boris. That's the way to get get yourself a nice notebook and pen, get scribbling. So here's a lovely letter, actually a very fine hand. It looks sort of Slavic, Eastern European sort of lovely. You know, lovely, very official notepaper. Melania writes. (laughs) I'm going through a very difficult time of life, she said, and I'm just about to move house yet again. Oh, dear. (laughs) My husband, who is a little older than I am, is about to be forced into retirement. <laughs> and I'm terrified that he's going to get under my Jimmy Choo clad feet. <laughs> However, there is a bright light on the horizon. He kind of likes golf, and I believe that he owns several golf courses very far away. Uh-oh. How do I write him the kindest letter possible to encourage him to bog off? <laughs> just, just book golfing sessions in in his social diary all around the world. There you go. No, no, Sorted. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm selfish. I know where those golf courses are. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Dear Melania, you don't want to be going to those big places. No, 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 no. Cold, cold country. Cold, you know, yeah. cold, rainy, you know, not friendly, the people. Nah, nah. No. I think it's sort, of, sort of like the, you know, if you've got a nice, warm golf club, you know, in Florida or something, I think, you know, just that hunker do, down yeah. there. Yeah. Hunker down, you know. Get give him a little notepad and Preferably paper. Preferably one with lots of alligators on the course. Uh, a oh, few, sorry. Give him a few crayons, <laughs> and uh, you know, tell them tell them to start trying to write write his life story because that that'll take him a while. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it'll take him a while to find his way through the other end of the page. Really, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he could, he could actually lock himself in a cupboard with a rather nice young secretary. He could be there for a while, couldn't he? I wouldn't wish she that on the could... secretary. No. <laughs> <laughs> Good point, well made. Secretary. I think there's a press secretary who would be quite happy to do that. 
Um, poor love. Melania, you have our sympathies. You do. This is not um, an easy time of life. Um, <laughs> well, not really. <laughs> well, it's Frankie Bo- is it Frankie Boyle joke who said that, you know, if you went to dinner at the White House, you know, whilst Melania and, and Donald were staying there, he said, she'd be the one that would be making the word help with the peas on her plate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Have you heard the Melania tapes? No. Oh, I uh, have. They're magic. Oh, they are magic. But, you know, They're yes. They're magical. I, I, what sympathy I had is gone uh, because the Melania tapes, which actually, strangely enough, came out the same day as as as, as Donald announced he had COVID, you know, for three days uh, that he had it for and then has actually no cough, no nothing, no symptoms or whatever since, mm-hmm. even though he's a vulnerable category. Um, you know, just it, magically when this this huge story broke, you know, he he managed to find the biggest story to break, I think, um, shall we say. So, but uh, yeah, so the Melania tapes are, you know, give a really good indication of what kind of personality is there. So, yeah, I don't have any sympathy at all anymore. Mind you, catch Ooh. me in a bad day. And I look like, I make Melania look like an angel from heaven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank sure you, I want to Melania. See good luck. <laughs> Joe writes, Joe says, um, I've been, Joe says, I've been biding my time. And now my moment has come. However, he says, although I'm about to take on a very big job, I'm not sure whether I've bitten off more than I could chew, particularly in my advanced stage of, of life. Make sure he's got good dentures. Yes. He yes. says, first of all, he says, I have to stand outside on a cold day, most likely, and take an oath in front of gazillions of people. And secondly, he says, I can't remember more than a sentence at a time and I'm scared that I'm going to fluff my lines. <laughs> he <laughs> said, do you have, Lee, any suggestions about performance anxiety in an octogenarian? Centre, ground... And take prompt notes. <laughs> Make sure you've got a good aide standing beside you just to give you the prompt, you know, when you when you drift off into distance. Oh, I think, a little earpiece. Yeah. yeah. They, they often have, um, you know, like it, ceremonies like that, they often have like wedding ceremonies. You, you get a, say, a sentence. You only have to remember one sentence at a time. Yeah. yeah. That's really hard for me, though, at the time. I do remember that, I mean, actually. I'm not talking about Joe. When, when, I, when I stood up to get married... You know, the, the the wedding, you know, I take thee to be my lawful yeah. lover's husband, all the rest of it. When I stood up to get married, I thought, you know, well, why do they always do that one sentence at a time? It's not that hard to remember. But you don't. You don't remember when you're standing so up nervous. there. Your mind goes completely yeah. blank and you mm. the words suddenly, com, you know, seem something completely different, yeah. don't they? It's um, about taking a breath, making sure you're grounded and centred. Taking yeah. a good mm. breath. And if you know you're getting overexcited, make sure you've got prompts with you, mm. if you can. There you go, Joe. So, or in the back, right on the back of your hand. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> right on the bottom it, of your shoe. Right no. the bottom of somebody's shoe. <laughs> on the top of someone's baldy head. Make sure they Perfect. stand beneath you. You could make the millions Sorry. of people in the audience spell out the words. <laughs> <laughs> like Which they would, because they'd be so happy that you're there. Oh, too, quite yeah. God, I want to. I want to travel over there and, and be in the audience. I want. Yeah. To, I want to actually swell that audience to the point that it. it you know. <laughs> <laughs> it would just be amazing. I'm well, with my but... lockdown figure, if I were over, I could definitely swell the audience <laughs> quite considerably. <laughs> <Did I? laughs> 
Well, well but finally, good luck to him. Good luck to him. Good, <laughs> good luck, luck Joe. Yeah, good luck, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Very happy for you. Really happy. Uh, we Nicola writes. <laughs> I thought she says, oh, "I'll do her. I'll do the accent." I thought I had the perfect job since lock, but since lock doom, I've been bombarded with problem after problem. Lockdown's frankly been a complete nightmare. Decisions, decisions, and I'm even criticised about my hairdo. I want to tread the line between every, being everybody's pal and the voice of authority, but what I really want today is to lie in my bed, watch Netflix with a haggis supper and a deep fried Mars bar. What should I do? <laughs> lie in your bed. With... Lie in your bed. <laughs> lie in your bed with a deep fried Mars bar. That'll do it. Yeah, a fish supper. Yeah. Thing I, I think I love. She, she's a real book supporter. That she's, yeah, re- she's, she's really good at promoting books and, and you know, sort of talking about what books she's reading and stuff. Very, very few political, political leaders do that. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I sort of like, I can imagine she, she would write a journal. Yeah. I can she's imagine. a very yeah, cool woman, isn't yeah. she? I think, oh, I think I she's think, amazing. Nicola, you, you've got our support. You're, you're all yeah. over it. You're all yeah. over it. And I think, Sorry. yeah, a, a wee bit of a, a, a little nibble on a Mars bar. Yeah. And you're allowed keeping to take a diary a break. last thing at night. Yeah. yeah. You're allowed to take a break. Uh, yeah. Have your wee haggis supper and your, your wee yeah. deep and, fried and slip bar. those shoes off. They look as if they'll pinch. Get those <laughs> shoes off. <laughs> and get the door, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> get that door, Frank. <laughs> get that door, Frank. Where's my clicky pen? <laughs> <laughs> and there's nobody except for Scots that will understand the references to that. Yes. Yeah. So apologies to all our international fans, our droves of international fans. Uh <laughs> Well, uh, we are very happy to have you listen to us. And yeah. international fans, we will be coming to a luxury resort near you at some yes, point to do our yes. retreat. Yes. How much yeah. fun are we going to have on a scale of one to ten? Yeah. <gasps> ten. I think. Well, probably eleven. Easy. 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 <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Get your clicky pens out re- ready. <laughs> Where's my clicky pen? pen? <laughs> So thank you, Nicola. Thank you, Melania. Good luck. Our heart goes out to you, except for Mary, who doesn't. <laughs> My cold heart. My <laughs> no, cold, I understand. unabashed heart. No. She's she's quite. She, those were very cold. Yeah, that those were cold Melania tapes. I do remember right enough. Yeah. In the melee, the the maelstrom of this year, that was a little bit of a, a light-hearted moment. I thought. It was, wasn't it? <laughs> It's been a year of it, though, hasn't it? We've it all has. had to yeah. cling on to something as therapy, haven't yeah. we? Yeah. And what better than writing? Because, you know, I, I have heard people say they're concerned about how much they're drinking or how much screen time they've got or, or, or they are clinging to something. So if you're going to cling to something, you can't do much worse, actually, than clinging to some kind of creative writing exercise. Yeah, absolutely. You? absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think it's it's fantastic, and I think it's incredibly therapeutic to write. So, um, yeah. So, have you two done your writing this week? I have. Yeah. But it's very damp squib. It is damp squib. I know we say that every week, but it is damp squib. Mine's not. Mine's brilliant. Mine's I brilliant could, this week. I couldn't get case, myself let's, into a rant. In that case, you've dug your own hole. We'll just choose the straws. <laughs> Maybe turn it up, and so you've got the long straw off your pot. <laughs> We're all ears. Oh, I love you too so much. <laughs> if we were in the same room, you'd be punching our lights out. Right now. <laughs> We'd so be like would. weebles bouncing down and coming back up again. Oh, but you're right. I did ask that one. Right. Okay. So the the task this week was to do some writing therapy or journaling. So, <laughs> oh, what's it? 
Yeah. In that case, I've not done the right thing. <laughs> but that's all right. What did you do? I did one of my poems. I've become a poet this year. Well, then that's still right. That's good. Therapy. We like that. Yeah. Do you know, what? I'm not kidding you. And that's the beauty about this year and working with you two and the book whisperers in general is that my writing has changed out of all recognition. Things that I thought I couldn't do, uh-huh. I've just started doing. I'm doing a book of poetry next year, Ooh. which I would never have tackled. Never. Oh, that's so exciting. And so, yeah. You're a so beautiful poet. You write that's you me trying. Oh, well, you're so sweet. I'm, I don't know if I am, but I really enjoy it. And actually, that's my little thing to say to distract you from the fact that I've not done my journaling. No, that's fine. I'm fine. I'm happy. I'm happy to have a poem. That would be brilliant. Oh, we're just happy to have a chat. Yeah. Bye. We're just happy to be out of the house. Oh, no, we're not. We're not out of the house. No. I'm lying on my sofa. Oh. With a dog draped over me. Oh. <laughs> okay. All right. Do you want me to do this then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, bloody hell. I have to write something for this Writing is Therapy podcast. Not least because it was my suggestion for us all to do some journaling as examples <laughs> and share its therapeutic properties. It's just that I don't have anything to write about, really. Had some sort of virus this last few weeks, which I've been fighting off. Nothing much, just a headache, exhaustion, dizziness, confusion, persistent cough and loss of sense of smell, etc. I would be yelling COVID at the top of my voice, but two negative tests say otherwise. No matter. I'm on the mend this week, and although still coughing occasionally and a little bit of a headache, I can mostly ignore it now. I took my son to school this morning. That is how exciting my life is. Taking my son in the car to and from school is the extent of my social life. I even had to ask him to stop playing the iPhone game and throughout the 20-minute journey and actually talk to me. Bless him, he did, grudgingly. A cyclist, dressed from head to foot in high-vis black, no, not high-vis at all, decided in front of me that a red traffic light does not apparently apply to a two-wheeled vehicle. I was reminded of Mr Bean following suit and getting out of his mini to push it through the traffic lights on the green man. My son learnt a few new expletives focused on the ninja pedalist. <laughs> not least that it was particularly unfair of him not to follow the rules. The conversation then turned to my son saying that he not only that he only ever sees me getting really passionate when driving. Apparently it's not road rage as such, but just driver disdain. Showing little patience, for example, to people who don't know how wide their car is as they gingerly squeeze through a space I could drive a tank through, or as they sit filing their over-polished nails at a green traffic light whilst I'm late to drop my son at school. I never get cross or gesture to the miscreants who might have a driving licence but should probably be made to take a test again, but whoever is in the car with me is left in little doubt that I am mildly disappointed in their performance. My sister would be annoyed at my driving my son to school at all, but I'm only doing my duty to society by trying not to spread whatever virus I've had to anyone he meets on the bus. Yes, I have had that conversation with the school, and apparently his schoolmates and the teachers are fair game. The journey home was less dramatic. Whilst I listened to the news and planned the day ahead, some editing to do, a book cover to design, a couple of podcasts to record, not to mention a whole novel to get started. Oh, and this journal to write. Quite a quiet day work-wise. Then back off to pick up my son from school again. Then I might need to take a nap. Too much excitement. It's not good for you, you know. Ah, oh, brilliant. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do mine. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Oh, 
I was laughing while I was doing it. It was it was actually incredibly therapeutic because I did find it. You know, I was I was just being. You know, I but my son did genuinely say that he said it's the only it's the only time he sees me getting really passionate is is when I'm driving and I I sort of go and. <laughs> Which is fair enough, isn't it? I am yeah, quite judgmental yeah. of other people's driving. <laughs> Get them to help. You're Mary. allowed to. Tell. It's a safe space, though, and they'll never hear you. Yeah, I know. I'm never. They never know I'm doing it. I'll do it with a smile on my face, nod at them as they they cut up in front of me or something, and I'll be saying, "Bastard!" <laughs> so smiling at them, you know. So like, but yeah, I'm. Uh, uh. <laughs> I yeah. love that. That's it. That's my highlight of my day. It's taking my son to and from school. No, well, that's a nice thing, though. Huh? Yeah. Just that one-on-one oh. -on -one time. It is nice. Yeah. It yeah, is nice when, is he, when he doesn't ignore me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they haven't got their ear pods in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, go on. Let's let's see yours then. Oh God. Uh, let's see if I can wake it up on the computer. <laughs> <laughs> right. Give it a slap. Go on. Wake it up. Does. Wake up. It wasn't. It was written very quickly, and um, like I said, I've been, I'm, I'm a bit off form today, so there's not much of it. But here we go. The message popped up, blinking at the corner of my mobile screen. You have a message from PayPal. My heart leapt. At last, I thought they finally got round to dealing with my case. I'd stupidly fallen for one of those adverts on Facebook, or was it Insta, offering a windproof, waterproof, cosy jacket for the price of £52, with rush de delivery for an extra £6.99. I opted for the rush delivery. It was only after my money had been accepted that the receipt stated that it was a product coming from China. My heart sank then. Usually the sizes are made of zeros. Even large is for stick insects, a size six. The weeks ticked by, and still no sign of the product. I complained to the company. They said it was still en route, being shipped. Talk about slow boats from China. I waited, still nothing. And then I contacted PayPal, who came back and said that the shipper had delivered the package. What? I've been in all the time. Nothing has been delivered, and I certainly haven't signed for anything. Check with your neighbours, PayPal said. We checked. Check out the tracking number with the post office. I tried, but because it's a Chinese tracking number, I wasn't getting any sense, and I'm still going round and round in circles. If I could, I'd physically go to the post office and ask them to check the tracking number, but I'm tied, unable to walk, drive, let alone hobble to the post office counter and demand they look into this. I'm not feeling very charitable towards our little friends across the water. To such an extent, I'll refuse this week's carry-out sweet and sour chicken and crackers <laughs> and fried rice and they can stick their battered bananas where the sun doesn't shine <laughs> I'll never eat a deep fried banana again <laughs> <laughs> I would never eat one in the first place oh no they're quite nice oh they're, they're good nice. but no, I, they're good. I wouldn't eat a raw banana Oh no, that's because you don't like bananas. No. Sorry, sorry, Mary. I got banana in, and I know you've got a real pet hate for bananas. It completely slipped slipped my mind. I'm a bananaist. Yeah. It's a Nicolad banana. It's deep fried and, and covered in sugar. <laughs> Caramelized. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm having. So, a did you get your money back? No, they said that um, that the shippers have stated that um, that I've received it, and so it's like. But they should still get your money back. It's a, it's like you just you still you, no. Know. They've no? they've shut the case and everything. 
So I'm like, from here on in, I'm not using PayPal. They can no. yeah, stick it where the sun doesn't shine. That's dreadful because they're believing these shippers and there's no way they've delivered it. Absolutely no way on earth. I haven't signed for anything. And I would have thought that that, oh, don't get me started. Yeah. I would have thought that that, <laughs> that that, you know, that would be evidence. But they're yeah. sort of saying, no, no. Um, I hate to say it, but apropos of nothing, but a lady who we all have in common in our lives, who's lovely, Samantha Cochran, if you're listening, <laughs> she had posted on Facebook that, that a jacket of hers had gone missing uh-huh. and, did any, and it had been signed for and she just wants a jacket back. So I put, thinking I'd be funny, I put, you know what's funny you should say that because we're about similar size. I got a lovely jacket through the post. <laughs> Which matches your description and it fits me like a glove. I feel a million dollars. It came through the post. I never even paid for it. I think Christmas has come early. Well, that was a mistake. (laughs) Those glasses would have been down in those like nobody's business. Suppose you think that's funny, do you? <laughs> she was funny. No, she did it good. I no, it's after I pressed send, I thought maybe that's not the wisest thing I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> so if your next door neighbour passes your window, Lee, and they're looking fabulous, I'm going to rip it off them. I don't care. You are. I'll, just, <laughs> I'll leap out on my crutches and rip it off them. <gasps> Oh my goodness! Oh, lovely. Well, mine is nothing so so uh, on point. That's okay. We but it is a little bit therapeutic. Anyway, so. Well, yeah. I don't know. It's a little bit therapeutic. I'm languishing now. Therapy. I'm waiting to hear it. I'm languishing. Oh, Lying back. Oh. <laughs> well, it's a little little poem, teeny tiny poem called "Mere, Mere, Mere." Uh, on the quiet, they pretend to be rock stars in their kitchen, right late at night. She's Tina Turner in her goonie, and he's Mick Jagger in the right light. She struts a room gain at Laldi, he grooves and shuggles his hips. She flicks her wig over her shooters, he pouts his muckle-great lips. Aye, they may be in lockdown, but sometimes they just dinna care. In their heeds they're gain at big licks, in their heeds the crowd's crying for mere. Brilliant. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, Have you been watching my house? (laughs) You've been checking us out, haven't you? Me and Andy. Tina Turner. (laughs) I thought there was was a TV program I was missing called My House there. When you said, have you been watching my house? I thought, oh, it's another one. It's another one. She's been strictly or bake off that everyone's watching and I'm missing out on. (laughs) Oh, you've missed a competitive baking, have you? Oh, dear. Oh dear! Oh. A poor guy really did a cracking job of bodging it up last night. That was great. Sorry, I only watch it for Noel Fielding. Do you? I love him. He's got he a nice goes, smile. I don't get the time. I don't get the time to watch all these things. Oh. I really don't. Well, you see, we did do a podcast on time management. Just saying. <laughs> We did. Yeah. We did, yes, but it's like, you know, I managed my time to get the work in, not <laughs> to get the TV in. Um, yeah, not that I managed my time at all, to be honest. But, yeah. Well, I, I have to say, I think that the sort of tying up the, the writing and therapy thing, I realise now that actually I do use in my own life creative writing as therapy. Yeah. Because hmm. I signed off on my last book, my pre Christmas title last Wednesday, I think it was. And, uh, 
I knew I had chores and things to do. What do I do? I come up with a new book. <laughs> and I think no, the chores can wait. This new book just can't wait. So, do you think it's do you think it's procrastination or avoidance of doing other things or distraction? distraction. I think it is. A, I think the creative distraction that we talked about the, the reason that we set up the book whisperer is that creative distraction. Yeah. Um, during times either when you really can't be arsed doing things that are practical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or in times of real trauma. So at the beginning of lockdown, in particular, it was so dramatic yeah. that that creating a, a distraction which took you out of the present circumstances. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I think that's what writing does for me. It takes me out of my present circumstances. And I'm not a domestic person at all. So if it's a choice between hoovering in the house or starting a new book, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. No, it's always fair enough, actually. And it's a, it's a good point, actually. I've not thought of it that way as well. But writing, you know, even writing a novel, something completely out with any of your problems uh, is is therapy because it's actually it, it's allowing you to remove yourself from your daily life and your problems you yeah. know, to, to yeah, solving yeah. and a world that you can control and you can change um, and you can resolve. That's in your oh, power. I don't know. I've got, I've got a protagonist that kicks my arse. <laughs> Why does that not surprise me? Why does that not surprise me at all? I created this monster of a character. <laughs> says, I'm not going there. <laughs> I can see you point with the pen poised. I can't write that. Shut up. Shut up. All right. <laughs> I wonder whether authors and, and writers are really just, you know, schizophrenics, you know, or not, not schizophrenic, but, you know, people who have those voices in their heads instead of actually, you know, listening to them, we just write them down. I've I've constantly got a whole party in my head. <laughs> it's a pity you can't no, join just, me. No, that's just me and Susan. <laughs> it's your earbuds, dear. Oh, oh right. <laughs> But sometimes, do you ever do you, do you ever think of things? Sometimes, like sometimes, I'll think of something, and I crack myself up. Oh yeah, yeah. oh, you know, terrible. and I'm just ending myself laughing. And like Andy or Cameron come in the room, going, "What's up?" And it's like I, I, I can't tell you. I, can't, I, can't into, I get into yeah. serious trouble. I get. I have my entire life. I mean, I, I I was sitting in a restaurant one day with my family, and I must have been about twelve or thirteen, and I looked across the room, and there was this woman, you know. With a very very low cut top on, and, and an extremely uh, buxom bosom, uh, and uh, she was eating spaghetti, and nothing happened. Nothing happened. <laughs> but, <laughs> but in your I, mind, it did. In my mind, I could see, you know, what what could happen with this spaghetti as she was like rolling it up, and it was, you know, and sucking it through these, you know, pursed lips, you know. And it's like I I started killing myself laughing, and of course, people, you know, the people at the table said, you know, "What what are you laughing at?" And the more, you know, the more I realised I couldn't explain it. There was no way I could say because it, it wasn't that anything had happened. It just in my imagination, I thought you know, I could say, "Well, there's a woman over there," you know, that might. <laughs> drops and food in her cleavage and I found that funny it just it just wasn't and it's like the more they asked the more I laughed the, the worse it got because it just <laughs> there are some things in life that are hilarious I miss my sister a lot she lives in Aberdeen and when we were students together we were coming home one, late one night on a, a bus in Aberdeen and all you have to do is mention two words moon boots and we're off like trains because there was this Drunk man. It was, do you remember those moon boots? Yeah, like, yeah. They were big, huge, padded things. Oh yeah. 
So little stick legs would go into big huge. Well, he couldn't manoeuvre himself down, <laughs> down the stairs to the top deck with these moon books. So what he did was that he kind of held onto the railing and just let the moon books slide. <laughs> They slid so much that he ended up on his arse in the middle of the aisle. And then, and then he kind of sat there until it came to a stop. And then he kind of shuggled his way up and then let his moon boots take him outside. Well, we can still laugh about that years, decades later. And but the really nice thing is we, we, we've never le- sort of lost that sort of shared ridiculousness. And we were in a chip shop just uh, earlier this year. And we were really in a bad way, you know, you know, our, our dad was ill at the time and uh, we asked for a battered sausage. <laughs> well, this woman kind of whopped this huge battered sausage down in front of us with some newspaper and started dropping it up really quickly. We pissed ourselves laughing to such an extent. <laughs> we thought she was going to hit us. <laughs> with the battered sausage. <laughs> it was a cosh. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of paper she put around it. <laughs> oh, I love There's moments like that. There's yeah. something about a battered sausage which is just comedic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm with you there. Oh. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, Melania, and all the different whisperers. Yep. Melania jo, and Joe and Gloria. You're not biding your time any longer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're biding our time now, waiting for the 20th of January. Yeah. So. And Boris near Brixton, he's trying to sound trendy. <laughs> Let's get on with I'm that resignation. Sorry that all your, yeah, everybody's packing boxes around you and stomping out the front door. What a shame. Yeah, yeah. what a shame. Oh well. <laughs> Tell them to keep the boxes for when they have a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, well, oh. thank you so much for joining us on yeah. this. Because we almost made sense at some points. Yeah, we did. Occasionally. God. That's amazing. Getting far too sensible. It's all the therapy we've been having. That's what it is. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm off to have a haggis supper. Yeah. I'm off to lie down. Well, that's just three. All I've got to do is put my head back three inches and that'd be me. (laughs) I'm off. I'm off to. Oh, I can't even speak. I'm off to pick my son up from school. Oh, yeah. Oh, be careful, drivers. Yeah. Be kind on them, their roads. Yes, I'll, I'll, oh. I'll be polite. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> oh. Well, it's good night from me. But it's good night from her. And it's good night from them. <laughs> good night. Bye. 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 Happy dating. Oh,